Welcome to this shifting moment. This is a podcast in which we're seeking a profound shift in the way that we react to things. We do that through weekly discussions and responses from some of the great thinkers and spiritual writers. And my name is Richard, and I'm a spiritual coach and a mindfulness teacher with over 20 years of experience in treatment and private practice. And my name is Josh, and I'm an ordained pastor and a writer with a history of directing spiritual communities. We want you to be a part of everything that we do. We look forward to hearing your thoughts and suggestions. Please contact us at 424-341-3860 and follow us on This Shifting Moment on Instagram and Facebook. So this is a reading I did just recently, and it's called The Example of Eddie Hillison. There are times during the course of our lives when we come across examples of people, ex, people's experiences that leave a long-lasting impression. These examples can set a powerful tone of what we're capable of. Eddie Hillison is one such example, someone I had not been familiar with in the early years of my own spiritual exploration. Eddie was the Dutch author of Confessional Letters and Diaries that describe both her religious awakening and the persecution of Jews in Amsterdam during the German occupation. In 1943, she was boarded onto a train to Auschwitz in Poland and kept meticulous diaries from the year 1941 to 1943, detailing her attempt to grapple with the changing landscape of her internal world. Her diary reads like a long prayer to her personal God. She would refer to herself as the thinking heart of the barracks. Her need for writing in her diary was motivated by the needs of her internal world, not that of what was happening on the outside. When a young Gestapo yelled at her and said, she said, I am not easily frightened, not because I am brave, but because I'm dealing with human beings and that I must try as hard as I can to understand everything that anyone ever does. It's not that a young Gestapo yelled at me, but that I felt no indignation. Rather, I felt real compassion and would have liked to have asked, did you have a very unhappy childhood? Has your girlfriend let you down? Between her birth in 1914 and her death in 1943 at the age of 29, Eddie Hillison had ripened into what the Buddhists would call a bodhisattva, unconditionally dedicating her life to the alleviation of suffering in every being that she encountered. In the midst of the unspeakable horrors of the Holocaust, she disarmed her heart and poured herself out. She said one should want to be a balm on many wounds. Her diary is a testament to spiritual awakening. The more terrifying and cruel the actions on the outside, the more calm and serene she became on the inside. She drew inspiration from many of the great Christian mystics when she wrote this. She said, I draw prayer around me like a dark protective wall. I withdraw inside as one might a convent cell, and then I step outside again, calmer and stronger and more collected. Eddie's faith would not be altered, would not be called blind faith, 
She had no illusions about the horror going on around her, but rather she was dedicated to facing reality with open eyes, even embracing it with open arms. Even though she was offered many opportunities to escape, she was determined to share the same fate as her people. She resisted the impulse to demonize the Nazis and categorically refused to hate anyone, saying, my battles are fought on the inside with my own demons. Her internal peace blossomed in proportion to her surrender to what was happening. She says, talks about the feeling of God kneeling beside her in her, in her commitment to universal love. She says, I'm so calm. It is sometimes as if I were standing on the parapets of the palace of history, looking down over distant lands. This bit of history we are experiencing right now is something I know I can stand up to. I know what is happening, and yet my head is clear. This is the clarity and courage that Eddie has handed down by her example. She brought this elixir into the camp with her, and she soothed the fears of her people and rekindled their faith, even as they stepped into their own death. Her example is one that has been passed down throughout history. Wow. That's amazing. I mean, I think that's so cool just to hear. You're right. that It's darker than usual, right? But that's not, it's not a darkness that's like, you know, it's, it's almost like that's, uh, there are only certain stories that you can, um, you know, that the, 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 that mm -hmm. backdrop brings out, like the, the severity and the, the wisdom and like the, the multitude of wisdom that came out of that tragedy and the terrible, terrible, terrible things that have happened. But I mean, just, just hearing someone live that way in the face of that, I think from an outsider's perspective, it being 2023 and having a little distance, it's tough to place ourselves back in the shoes of that person and actually realize just yeah. what a courageous act it was to live and she was 29 you know i mean we have a bad day at work and, and I'm not like fuck it fuck everything and yet you know what i mean and and, and, and i think it's really right. important to be able to see those examples because sometimes i think it's only by those examples that we can take a look at ourselves and start to see the insanity of how we're living our lives and that it could be different hmm there was um there was something in there that grabbed me uh and it was just the the word bodhisattva. Yes. Do you do you a know what that is like that would be a awesome bodhisattva is what they would call talk about. Uh, in Buddhist and I'm really generalizing. I'm not looking it up right now. I'm just talking off sure. off of my head. It's it's what they would call a spiritual warrior. That nothing that they mm. that they're mm. basically impacted by nothing. They're capable of getting through any difficult situation. Uh, with their own internal strength and fortitude and um it's it's tapping into something that they that they're almost forced to tap into in order to persevere through difficult situations and circumstances mm -hmm. and she's a perfect example of it you know you find you find people i mean yeah. most people would characterize that the dalai lama might be similar to that having you know been uh kicked out of Tibet and, you know, same with Thich Nhat Hanh, you know, who summarily saw the 
the destruction of, of Vietnam during his lifetime. And, you know, you see that in the great men and women, you know, uh, Nelson Mandela and Martin Luther King Jr., uh, Harriet Tubman, you know, you see these these people that stepped up to the plate in situations where we might have buckled, you know, but they had something going on inside of them yeah. that they were able to access. And they knew that they were capable of accessing that. It wasn't, she She was, based, based on her stories, she was singing and creating flowers out of scraps of paper on the, on the train, you know, knowing that they were on their way to their death. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, I think, you know, when we look at this in perspective of, of what we all have going on in our lives, not to minimize what we have going on, but I, and I don't, and it's not meant to minimize it's, it's meant to help. I think every help everybody realize that they have a lot more to offer than maybe they think they have to offer, you know, maybe they're a lot stronger than they think they are. And I think when we stop and take a look at the life of somebody like that, it's like, wow, where in my life am I buckling where I probably don't have to, you know, I could. That's so maybe good. I could. Yeah. Yeah. Like where where I, probably I probably don't, don't have, have to. to. I mean, it's a like, great way to put that. Is, is this really right. who I am or is there something else going on inside of me that, that is, that I haven't allowed to come to the surface, you know, and I think that we can find that in, mm. in certainly in recovery, you know, people persevering through situations. Cause you know, I see a lot of people in the sessions that I do that, you know, they have, they, they place conditions on their, on their well being or their, their happiness or that, you know, I can't, and, and they almost anticipate not being able to handle something. That's, and that's the scariest part, right? And that's why we don't seek help because the yeah. unknown is so much more scary than what's actually right in front of us, right? Like, yeah. And I, I love um, all of the people that you mentioned were people that that had the ability to take what mm -hmm. was going on and transform it. So it it wasn't pain that was that, like you said, like it was buckling them and that they were having to like you know like bend for it was literally that they were able to take the situations that were around them and transform that and i love like richard Rohr says if you can't transform your pain exactly. you transmit your pain and so i think a presence like like that in you know a nazi concentration camp with with everything going on i can only imagine the life that she was able to bring in you know, just in those moments, because she's not, everyone else is probably mm -hmm. transmitting the pain and that's completely, I mean, it, it almost feels right? justified, it's, it's you terrible. know, to be able to do that. Yes. Like, and, and I think, I think just on a level of like, there is, there is a feeling in a, I, I've sensed this in my own mm -hmm. life of justified pain, right? Like, like, oh, it's too bit. Therefore I have full carte blanche to, mm -hmm. to check out here. Right. And I, I think, that kind of pain right. could be dangerous, right? Because like, we, especially as like an addict or an alcoholic, I can put a grand story behind it's that like, and play that. It's like we give ourselves like 11, permission. You know what I mean? It's, it's like, it's wow, a, this, look at what's happened. And it's that victim mentality. And I think, you know, when you look at, at a young woman, 29-year-old woman like Eddie Hillison, she didn't know she, 29. She was 29. She That's did and, and She didn't, didn't know she was going to have a mark on humanity. She didn't know that anybody was going to read her diaries. Mm. There was no end goal that she was going to rise above. And even some of the people that we look at, even, you know, that, you know, that uh, they might have thought that, wow, this will be a, a powerful mark on humanity. But I, I don't think she had, that was not part of her thing. 
you know, and it was, and mm. she did it, but she did it anyway. And, you know, you, you have to look at, you know, what motivated yeah. her to do the writing, to pass that down. Did anybody, yeah. did she ever know that anybody would ever read that? And her, her diaries are powerful. I mean, they're just like phenomenal. And it was only two years of writing diaries. That's so beautiful. I, I I think also in those moments too, like look at that mm -hmm. as a creative act of mm -hmm. resistance in terms of like writing your way through that, doing something and then just doing it mm -hmm. for the, the sake of doing it. Right. I mean, I think that's even more powerful. Like that's, we don't, I think in Instagram culture and the culture we live right now, we do things so that we can tell a story about it or so that we can, you know, brag about it, share about it, whatever you want. There's some goodness to that. Cause there is like a fact that we need to share things to feel mm -hmm you know, validated and all that good stuff. But I think just doing something yep. just for the sake of beauty or not, just doing something just for not the sake knowing. Of like, yeah. Wow, not knowing like, like no not, agenda, not, not knowing where it's going to go. Right. Just affording yourself small moments yep. of beauty that are for no one else. Like this is just I, the other day I, uh, I was holding my, um, my daughter and I'm sick right now. If you can't tell, I don't, I, I haven't picked up the smoking <laughs> habit. I'm just <laughs> not doing well physically, uh, <laughs> but, uh, I was holding her. So now I'm like in my head, I'm like, why did I hold her? What am I, is she going to get sick? Um, but, uh, I was holding her. My wife was away for like two hours. So I had like a long, just hang with my little baby daughter and I don't really sing in my life anymore. And it was a huge part of my life, like for years, that's all I did. Right. Um, and I just began singing and all of a sudden this little beautiful lullaby popped out and it was just about me not knowing the words to any lullaby. So here's a new lullaby just for you. And we sang it together. She smiled. It was this amazing moment. She's smiling at me and I went ahead and just kept singing for like five minutes just so I could see that smile. And then the thought was, oh yeah, I gotta go record that or like go put that or go share that or go do something. And then I realized like, nope. That's just for me and Gracie. Like Gracie will have that moment and I will have that moment. And I can always look back on that and go, wow, what a beautiful little thing. But that can just be for us. Or that can just be honestly for me because she's never going to remember that, right? But that's just a small moment of beauty that we're able to go like, yeah, like I can. And I think that leads us to gratitude. It leads us to all kinds of other places when we're able to just appreciate something for exactly what it is. Like <laughs> not something else that needs exactly. to become something bigger, but just... Wow, exactly. And I think, right yeah. you know, I, th I think that's a beautiful, I mean, it's almost as, as though we're tapping into the Bodhisattva when we do that kind of stuff. We're kind of, it, it doesn't have to be big dramatic events that are part of what it means to be a Bodhisattva. In fact, it's, it's the smaller events, you know, that really, that we're able to kind of shift our perspective around uh, that might allow us, to, you know, to tap into something powerful from within. epic <laughs> that's one of those moments i hope people can just hit that little 15 second rewind and just listen to like because we, we all think that, yeah that's... we all think it has to be some big dramatic moment where i'm saving the world or saving the universe yeah. but it can be as simple as singing a lullaby and not knowing the words to your newborn daughter hmm. you know and by the way yeah that's what healing can look like too it doesn't no. need to be you don't need to have this movie moment where all of a sudden you graduated into a place of healing it may just happen one day when you're doing the dishes and you realize, I don't think yeah, about the same like, things I used to think about, <laughs> or I don't, I'm not worried about this. Any oh, how, how, and I, I really think the biggest shifts in my life have happened like that, where it's like, I turn around and I haven't even noticed that it's yeah. happened. 
but all of a sudden it's there. It's like having a sore throat and then one day you wake up and it's not like you you mark it down and you say it's gone today. Right. <laughs> it just doesn't hurt anymore, right? And and that's that's really and what healthy I, and change I, and can I look think like. I think they talk about that a bit in that. recovery too. I mean, it's to me I think it's mm-hmm. what they refer to as a moment of clarity. You know, we have this moment where we are able to look at at a bigger picture than we were able to look at before. And it gives us a moment where we stop and think, is is this, am I traveling down the road I want to be traveling down? Am I being the person that I can be? You know? Yeah. Because you know what? I, I'll, there's nothing like a small moment of beauty like that or something like just to mm-hmm. slap you back into reality to be able to ask those questions. Because a lot of times, like mm-hmm. the way that she was living and the way that, she was talking about that she was able to make those choice, like actually think with a rational brain because she had these spiritual exercises that were mm-hmm. lifting her above the present sort of mm-hmm. mire and consequences, right? Like she was actually above that because of the practices that she was engaged in and the she, beliefs that she, she was able to see a larger picture. That. And yeah, that's it. That's it. It gives you the ability to pause and go, wow, what's really important. Right. Because a lot of our lives are just buried within the next mm-hmm. thing to do. <laughs> and beauty and art and music and co- those moments have like the profound ability to just lift us, and lift us, lift us yeah. up. Just go, hey, take a look yeah. around. It's like, like a quick it's like you can be ride. mad at somebody <laughs> or have a difficult situation going on at work. And then you hop in your car and you hear one of your favorite songs and it just pulls you right out of whatever situation. And it it mm. kind of warms your heart. And it's like, you know what? Why am I worried about that bullshit? You know? Yeah. I, yeah. And music I, it is, is such for a me, powerful tool it's for that. Re- yeah. I, I think there's almost nothing mm. else that can just... And, and, right, right. But, you know, but there's other things too. I think sometimes <laughs> exercise can do that, you know? It kind of pulls you out and it kind of mm-hmm. it kind of shakes up your the energy that is caused you to kind of zero in on one small moment that was difficult or challenging for you and we're able to kind of widen the lens and look at a bigger look at a bigger picture and i think that's what eddie was looking at she didn't know that anybody would be reading it but she just knew that in order for her to survive and for her to be an example and to soothe the pain that others were experiencing she needed to be able to have a wider view Hmm. a wider view i love that just a wider view. And it's not that I love that so much because it doesn't negate other people's view. It just says like maybe just a slightly wider. It doesn't need to be the widest view or anything like just that. A little just bit wider. Be a little bit wider. So that's beautiful. Yeah. Do you want to take um, us out? Eddie Hillison. Uh, um, and anybody can look her, look her up online. It's it's fast. She's fast. It's fascinating. Um, it's the, it's called, the reading is called, and again, this is coming from the new book or one of the new books that we're finishing up. Um, hopefully they'll get out soon. <laughs> um, it's called the example of Eddie Hillison. There are times during the course of our lives when we come across the examples of people's experiences that leave a long lasting impression. These a- examples can set a powerful tone of what we are all capable of. Eddie Hillism is one such example, someone I had not been familiar with in the early years of my own spiritual exploration. Eddie was the Dutch author of confessional letters and diaries that describe both her religious awakening and the persecution of Jews in Amsterdam during the German occupation. In 1943, 
She was boarded onto a train to Auschwitz in Poland and kept meticulous diaries from 1941 until 1943, detailing her attempt to grapple with the changing landscape of her internal world. Her diaries read like a long prayer to her personal God. She would refer to herself as the thinking heart of the barracks. Her need for writing in her diary was motivated by the needs of her internal world, not that of what was happening on the outside. When a young Gestapo yelled at her, she says, I am not easily frightened, not because I'm brave, but because I'm dealing with human beings and that I must try as hard as I can to understand anything that anyone ever does. It's not that a young Gestapo yelled at me, but that I felt no indignation, rather a real compassion and would like, and would like to have asked, did you have a very unhappy childhood? Or has your girlfriend let you down? Between her birth in 1941, in 1914, and her death in 1943 at the age of 29, Hillison had ripened into what the Buddhists would call a bodhisattva, unconditionally dedicating her life to the alleviation of suffering in every being she encountered. In the midst of the unspeakable horrors of the Holocaust, she disarmed her heart and poured herself out. She said, one should want to be a balm on the wounds of many. Her diary is a testament to spiritual awakening. The more terrifying and cruel the actions on the outside, the, calm, the more calm and, and serene she became on the inside. She drew inspiration from many of the great Christian mystics when she wrote this. She said, I brought prayer around me like a dark protective wall. I withdraw inside as one might a convent cell, and then I step outside again, calmer and stronger and more collected again. Eddie's faith would not be called blind faith. She had no illusions about the horror going on around her but rather she was dedicated to facing reality with open eyes, even embracing it with open arms. Even though she was offered many opportunities to escape, she was determined to share the same fate as her people. She resisted the impulse to demonize the Nazis and categorically refused to hate anyone, saying, my battles are fought on the inside with my own demons. Her internal peace blossomed in proportion to her surrender to what was happening. She says, talk, she, she talks about the feeling of God kneeling beside her and her commitment to universal love. She says, I am so calm, it is sometimes as if I were standing on the parapets of the palace of history, looking down over distant lands. This bit of history we are experiencing right now is something that I know I can stand up to. I know what is happening, and yet my head is clear. This is the clarity and courage that Eddie has handed down by her example. She brought this elixir into the camp with her and soothed the fears of her people and rekindled their faith, even as they stepped into their own death. Her example is one that has been passed down throughout history. <laughs> 